It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from the heartland, where dominating your commercial real estate market is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's A Billion Sold Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of A Billion Sold Podcast. Well, hey everybody, Darren Garman here, and welcome to this week's podcast, where we are going to tackle apartments versus commercial property. Okay, apartments versus commercial property. I get this question a lot from, gee, I don't know, are you any all over the spectrum in terms of investors, and uh, most of the questions are from investors that have not been in the real estate investment, I'll just call it business, very long. And uh, most of those, not surprisingly, being um, uh, new investors, uh, whether those folks are going to own and manage, own and not manage, uh, the question invariably comes up. Well, should I be looking at apartments or commercial property? Which is better? Which do, which do you think what gives me the best return? What gives me the best cat? What gives me the best overall wealth building I could um, I could have? And so we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to talk to you about not only the types of commercial properties, but um, the ones I think most investors should avoid, as a matter of fact. And I'm going to get into that a little bit. And I'm going to talk about apartment properties and the properties I think most investors should avoid. So this isn't a podcast in terms of what to avoid, but in terms of what I'm going to be recommending in my opinion on apartments versus commercial property, I'm going to be throwing that into which I think will give you uh, um, give you a really good look at at, at really good uh, um, overall coverage of both of those areas. So you can make some really good informed decisions. Okay, it took me long enough to say it, but there, but there it is. Before we jump into our podcast, I want to give you guys a reminder. It's August, and you're saying to yourself, well, "Darren, I know it's August. Thanks for the tip, buddy." Um, no, that's not it. It's August, and we're less than a month away from the one month availability, the one month opening. For new investors in our Heartland Flagship Fund. Okay, many of you are familiar with our Heartland Flagship Fund. We've had thousands of people ask about it. And it's owning your own apartment property, getting all the benefits of owning your own apartment property without having to deal with all of the management that's involved. Um, the Heartland Flagship Fund has about $40 million worth of apartment properties that you actively own. So you own your own 48-unit property, your own 168-unit property. Your investment gets you ownership in all of those properties in a nicely diversified portfolio of apartment properties here in the heartland of America. Okay, So I've said we've had thousands of people ask about the fund, and because of securities laws and securities and exchange commission laws, we can only have this open twice a year. Now, investors hate that that's the case. They get grouchy about it. I mean, when they're ready to invest, they're ready to invest. But we're only open twice a year. Our next opening is in September. And you only have 30 days to get involved in that. Now, many of you have asked me about the next opening. And I know 
at least a couple dozen of you are going to be getting involved with us in September based on the conversations I've had and the conversations that my staff has had. So we're looking forward to that. But just a quick reminder to you, especially if you've been thinking about what's been going on with the economy, um, is this going to last and continue to go as good as it's going? Uh, are you going to get involved in where housing is going in terms of apartments, the demand for apartments, uh, more and more people wanting to, needing to, having to rent? Um, is that something you've been thinking about? If it is, opening is in September. For information on this, just send me an email and I'll make sure we get you uh, priority access to that information once it's available. Uh, every time we have a new opening, a new round of investment, and again, we only do it twice a year, and I said some investors aren't happy about that, but it's not my decision. It's the Securities and Exchange Commission. That's what they tell us we need to do. So September's the month, guys, and if you want to be involved in owning your own portfolio of great apartment and some commercial properties in the heartland of America and getting all of the active owner benefits like you're managing and being a landlord without having to be involved in the day-to-day -day management, you need to get information on this. Uh, just simply send me an email. Let me know you want to be one of the priority investors so we can get you on our list so that when we've got the updated company Heartland Investment Flagship Fund offering information, we can get it to you. Okay? All right, just send me an email, darren at heartlandinvestmentpartners.com, darren at heartlandinvestmentpartners.com. All right, let's get on with today's or this week's podcast. So let's talk about, uh, well, but before we get into it, let me tell you what, what we're not going to talk about. So we're not going to talk about commercial or residential developments in our conversation because I consider that different, much different. Um, so housing developments, commercial developments, you know, you buy a piece of land, you subdivide it, you develop it, you put infrastructure in, utilities, streets, you sell lots or you build. So we're not going to we're not going to cover that. We will cover that in a separate podcast at some point in time. But for the sake of what we're going to cover now, most investors are going to be dealing with the decision of, do I invest in commercial real estate or do I invest in um, apartments? Okay. So now having said that, I'm going to tell you right now that I think overwhelmingly you want to be in the apartment business, not the commercial property business. Uh, and if there's anything that shows you that, it is the business climate that we're in. Okay, now you may be saying, but Darren, stock market's at an all-time high. Businesses are doing, some businesses are doing great. The economy is kicking butt. What, why wouldn't you want to be an owner of commercial real estate, especially with the way the economy's going? Well, mainly because the economy never sustains its level of anything, good or bad. Right, so I mean, think about it. Just it, you don't have to go back in history that long to see major dips in the economy, major upswings in the economy. So you always want to be thinking years ahead, not just weeks ahead, years ahead. So 
Though I would agree with you if you're saying the economy is great, it is, it's doing well right now. Most, not all businesses are doing well. Um, commercial real estate's the place to be. Uh, I disagree. And for the, the, for the reason I just mentioned, because not everything sustains or continues to improve, we always have dips. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you're always buying into the business that's occupying the commercial real estate property. And even though you may be in a great economy, that doesn't necessarily mean that that particular business is doing that well. And we can talk about businesses that fit that category all day long. Let's hit the retail side of things. How about Sears? Right? I don't know if I'd want to own a property being leased by Sears right now. Um, I don't want to know. I don't know if I'd want to own a shopping mall being leased by Sears right now. Um, Kmart. It's another example. I don't really know if I'd want to have anything to do with Kmart or a property that was once owned or leased by Kmart. Um, and of course, Sears is still around. Kmart is is on its way out pretty much, but Sears is too. So those are two quick examples. And that's just on the retail side of things. And those are companies that we've heard of, right? So I'm not even talking about the mid-size or smaller businesses that lease commercial real estate that many of you have not heard of, many that I've not heard of. I mean, I can think of probably a couple of dozen businesses, companies locally, let's just say around eastern or central Iowa, that most Iowans would know about, okay? But most people outside of the state would not. And you have the same thing going on where you are at. And then the question becomes, how viable are those businesses? Okay, Are they great this year? They're in the tank next year? Always keep in mind that many of the largest Fortune 500, Fortune 100, Fortune 50 companies that were existing at one time do not exist anymore. Okay? Um, and it's for that reason that I'm not a big fan of commercial real estate. Now, having said that, we own commercial real estate and we've owned commercial real estate. So we've had properties that have been leased by Adidas, okay, the apparel company. Hopefully you've heard of Adidas. They are the largest retailer of athletic wear in the world. Okay, So we've leased property to them. We've leased property to Walgreens. We've leased property to Family Dollar. So those should be familiar names to you. And we've leased property to Verizon. So um, we have really good experience with the big dogs. And inevitably, they all change. Or as a mentor of mine says, they all go lame sometimes. And they do. So the Walgreens property, that was vacant for years until we found another tenant. Um, the Adidas property, which was one of our best, that fell apart. They decided not to be a tenant of ours because of labor contracts and licensing issues going on in their business here in the United States. Okay, so now my ability to, to collect rent and income and build my wealth is now predicated on Adidas labor contracts 
and their licensing, sports licensing division deals. Okay? Does that sound risky to you? Does that sound smart? Um, and so we ended up actually selling that property and selling the property that was the Walgreens and also the Family Dollar Store because of what we learned in the process. All properties were really, really good for a while. All of them. Actually great. And then, like I said, they went lame. And let me just tell you this. If you own a 78,000 square foot warehouse and it's vacant, what are the chances of you finding a tenant for a 78,000 square foot warehouse? Especially if you're not located in a large metropolitan area, and even if you are, and finding them quickly. Not very good. It takes months, could even take more than a year to find a tenant just to take part of that space. Same goes with office and retail. You have a retail space that goes vacant. You usually don't have somebody ready to move in that next week, do you? Same with office space. If you own an office building and somebody moves out, let's say, I don't know, 5,000 square feet, you generally don't have somebody ready to move right there, right back in within 15 to 30 days. Not to mention the fact that when you do have tenant turnover with commercial properties, the one word that many people never think about, never give much thought to, and never factor into their financial equations is build-out. Build-out. So do you think the office building that you own, you've leased it to a great tenant, they have 5,000 square feet, they leave, now you've got 5,000 square feet available. Do you think that tenant coming into that space is going to want that space exactly as it is? No. You're probably going to have to spend money on improvements. Maybe you have to subdivide the space again. New carpet, paint, maybe new light fixtures. Maybe you also are going to provide them some office furniture. Well, you might say to me, but Darren, I'll just go ahead and have the tenant do that. Well, then you're going to be discounting your rent if the tenant does that. Okay, so uh, especially if you have an office user that is heavy on what they call build out and finish. So for example, a law firm is a really good example. If you have to build out for a law firm or factor that in, not only is that going to be expensive, but just think what you need to do if that law firm moves out, right? So for those reasons, and I could cover a dozen more, I'm not a big fan of commercial real estate in terms of an investment that I think most of us should be involved in. And I'm not going to get into, I mean, when you read, for example, Wall Street Journal or Investor's Business Daily, even Forbes, they talk about the big billion dollar office building transactions in, say, Manhattan or New York. And I think I recently read where the Kushner family sold their interest for I don't know how many billions of dollars in a big office tower, office building um, yeah, I think in Manhattan. Well, truth be told, most of us don't deal with those kinds of properties. <clears throat> um, and that's a different ball game for most of us. So I'm talking mainly about the commercial and investment properties that we see on a daily basis, okay, that we go into, we frequent, we do business at, we may even have our offices there. <clears throat> that's mainly what I'm talking about. And so the kind of properties to avoid when it comes to commercial property are office buildings, as a matter of fact. 
The office business environment is much too volatile to own your own office building unless you're going to have your own business in it. That would be like my only exception. Otherwise, I don't think it's a smart thing to do. You just cannot depend on a business running the same like it, it even if it has historically. So I'll give you an example from our, our standpoint. So we own an office building, but our management and maintenance offices are in the building. Okay, So we own this building. One of our tenants was a lighting company. They've been with us in our building for going on seven years. Paid rent like clockwork. Everything's great. As a matter of fact, we just got done negotiating to extend their lease for another five years at a higher rent level. Talk about pretty good deal, right? Five months after we negotiated that and they signed their five-year lease, they went out of business. Why? One of their main customers who was responsible for 80 plus percent of their business chose to do business with somebody else, putting them out of business. Here you have a company that had a great track record, paid rent on time, and was looking at even more success in the coming years, and they go down. Okay, That's why I'm not a fan of office buildings. Plus, I talked to you already about build-out, those costs that are rarely factored in but can cost you tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and the vacancy, the time it takes from a space being vacant until the time it is filled. Financially, it's tough to make office buildings work. And I'm not even talking about the day-to-day -day care and maintenance of air conditioners, air compressors, um, restroom facilities, cleaning of those facilities, janitorial, etc., etc. Retail's a little better, but can still be pretty volatile. Most of the time, if you ever look at a retail property, it better be on the corner where you've got traffic counts in the 30, 40,000 range every darn day. If you don't have that, it's probably a retail property to avoid, no matter who the tenant may be. Um, so then we got a part. So those are the properties I think you need to avoid on the commercial end of things. Um, then you've got apartments, okay? Then you've got apartments. The thing about apartments is this: you're always going to need a roof over your head. People will always need a place to live. They won't always need a place to go do business. They won't always need a place to go shopping, but they'll always need a place that provides them shelter, won't they? In addition to that, when I have a two-bedroom apartment come available or a one-bedroom apartment come available, I can get that released usually within two to three weeks, not two to three months or in some cases more than a year. Somebody moves out, we pretty much have somebody ready to move in. In many cases, we've already got a deposit before that resident even moves out. Okay, do you see where your risk level is much lower there? Do you see where your out-of-pocket costs on a monthly basis are much smaller and more predictable than by owning a commercial property? The kind of apartments to avoid, however, that can get you into trouble, uh, I'm going to give you my top two. Number one are the old converted three, four-story homes 
that were built in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and now maybe there are 14 or 20 sleeping rooms. You want to avoid those properties. Um, they are usually fraught with environmental issues, mechanical and maintenance issues, ongoing mechanical and maintenance problems, and usually, not all the time, there are exceptions to everything, of course, but usually the only kind of resident you can attract to an old property that they're renting a sleeping room uh, or sharing a bathroom with somebody, or maybe they have their own restroom, but um, it's a small studio apartment, it's usually not the kind of property that's going to appreciate very well. Um, the other ones that I recommend people avoid are the commercial property conversions, right? So you see it's kind of hot in some markets for somebody to go in and buy an old warehouse or an old commercial property and convert it into apartments or condos. That's kind of the end thing. Uh, you don't want to be involved in those. Why? Two words, cost overruns. Okay, cost overruns. Those projects always cost much more from an investment standpoint than what people budget, what people think, and you are still stuck with higher than average maintenance and repair costs when things need to be fixed. Because you're you're making, you know, you're making a commercial property into residential. So you're changing the DNA, so to speak, of that property. And when you do that, you are going to be subject to more costs than what you would expect. Okay? So um, what do I want? What do I recommend? What do I think you should be looking at? Um, I want a very strong apartment property, preferably a garden style apartment property, uh, no more than 20 to 25 years old. I might have a little flexibility with that. That's in an average to above average location with average to above average tenant mix that's close to the places tenants want to be and where they want to go. Okay, within a reasonable distance. And by reasonable, I mean within like 15 to 20 minutes by car. Okay, I'm not talking they got to drive three hours to get to where they need to get to. That's really kind of the bread and butter. And when you start getting outside of that, again, there's always exceptions. So I'd never say that every commercial property is a loser. Never would say that. I'd never say that every converted house that's now um, a seven-unit building is a bad idea. I'd never say that that's the case. But when you don't have hours of time to sift and sort through all of this kind of information to make an informed decision, you need a shortcut in order to go where you have the best possibility of making good income, good return, and building your wealth. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah. So knowing that, that's why I recommend what I'm recommending to you. It gives you the shortcut of being involved as an owner of some really good uh, apartment properties, being really in the general world of commercial real estate without sticking your neck out there too far and risking too much, but still getting the same kind of benefits as if you were doing that. And if, if you had payoff doing that, right? Um, so, a 
apartments are where I recommend you go. I've given you an idea of the kind of apartment properties to avoid. Um, I've talked about commercial properties. I've given you an idea of the kind of a commercial properties to avoid. And again, all this comes from experience, by the way. Uh, I'm not talking from theory. I'm not giving you information based on me not having personal experience with it. This is from my own personal experience. Okay, so I'm trying to give you a good shortcut to make the best investment as you can when you're considering apartments versus commercial property. Okay, so two quick side notes and then we're going to wrap up the podcast. Side note number one, I hear this from a lot of people, but Darren, what about mobile home parks? What about mobile home parks? I frankly do not have the experience with mobile home parks to tell you if it's a good investment or not. I wish I did. I get the question all the time. What do you think about mobile home parks, Darren? Um, and I know investors that have done great with mobile home parks. Uh, and I know investors that have had issues with mobile home parks. Uh, I would just recommend if you ever were to ever decide to get involved in a mobile home park, you team up with somebody that has extensive experience in owning them, running them, and managing them. Uh, I would never recommend you just jump out of the gate and buy your own mobile home park without having at least somebody you can talk to that's been down that road before. So frankly, I wish I could tell you what I think about them, but I'm not going to profess knowledge and expertise in an area that I don't have it. Um, so mobile home parks, I don't know. Um, if any of you have extensive experience with mobile home parks, would love to hear from you and would like to hear about it. So that's subcategory, so little sub, uh, sub bar number one, mobile home parks. Let's go to number two. Um, number two is long-term net lease properties, triple net lease properties. What's that? Uh, a triple net lease property basically is a property that you own as an investor. You lease it to a tenant, and the tenant pays all of the expenses of the property. So not only does the tenant pay you rent, the tenant pays property taxes, insurance, maintenance. The tenant pays basically everything uh, as if they were the owner, but they're not. And you receive a rent check once a month. So here's like some examples of triple net lease properties. Kohl's department store. Walgreens pharmacies, CVS pharmacies, many Barnes and Noble stores, many Best Buy stores. So many businesses choose to use money in their business versus having their business in real estate. Okay, so a kind of another way a lot of these businesses look at it is they'd rather tie their money up in their business than tie it up in owning real estate. Okay, so I get this question a lot, but Darren, what about a long-term net lease um, property? And again, I'm talking to you from experience. They can be great for a while, but again, you're depending on the economy, not only how the businesses that occupy those economy goes or is going, but also the overall economy, especially in the area city that the property is located in. So you've got to give that some thought. And what's the property going to be like if the, if the tenant goes out of business? Unfortunately, many do. There's issues and problems that come up all the time. 
Just ask Chipotle. Okay, so I'm not saying Chipotle is going out of business. They're not. But there was a business. They occupy strip centers, shopping malls all over the United States. They've had some problems, haven't they? Simonella, huge problems. It's really affected their business. And so, you know, when you've got, the, and that's totally unpredictable. Best Buy is getting better. They've had some really good, the last couple of years have been good for Best Buy. But before that, they were having some problems and some issues. So if you owned a Best Buy store that's 40,000 square feet, you could have an empty building. And again, I'm not saying they're in trouble. I'm just saying they have had some issues lately. And I could talk about a bunch of other businesses. So even though you have a seven-year lease, a 10-year lease, a 15-year lease, maybe even a 20-year lease, it doesn't mean anything if they go out of business and they go bankrupt. It doesn't mean anything. Okay? So keep that in mind as well. Um, so again, I wanted to be very general in what I'm talking to you about with apartments versus commercial. You know where I stand. You know what I recommend. Um, I know that there's always exceptions to what I'm talking about with properties based on where they're at, locations, how they perform. I get it. But if you want a shortcut, to making the right decision, the smart decision, on where you should be thinking of investing your money when it comes to real estate. You better be thinking apartments, number one. That's the go-to place that I recommend most people go that want to have the same kind of returns, income, and overall wealth generation versus all those other commercial properties. All right. Hey, look, I'm glad you joined me on this week's podcast. Hopefully this has given you some information to think about, something to consider, uh, especially if you plan on making an investment here in the near future, right? Hopefully this has helped. Now, I'm always interested in hearing your opinion. So if you've got the kind of experience in some of the properties I've talked about, I'd love to hear from you, especially mobile home parks. I don't know much about them. I'd like to know more. So if you've got experience in some of those areas, we'd love to hear from you uh, and would love to get your comments, especially on the information that I've gone over in this week's podcast. All right. Hey, thanks for joining a billion sold podcast for investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.myplatinumclub.com.